Imagine That Studios, in association with Ace Books, presents Tales from the Archives, Volume 3 The official anthology of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences A Christmas to Die For by Pip Ballantyne and T. Morris. Siena, Italy, December 1894. Even an assassin must go home for Christmas. Sofia Del Morte was not smiling when she stepped down onto the airship's gangway and looked around at the swells of people within the aeroport, some embracing one another in delight while other familiar counterparts greeted one another with chilly rapport. There was no need to take survey of the tiny travel centre as Sofia knew it intimately, but her instincts were in control on seeing the unusual amount of travellers present. Unusual for this region of Italy, but concerning the time of year this was to be expected. A quick hairpin into the nape of the neck of those plodding in front of her would move things along, but such initiative would not win Nonna's approval. The matriarch of the Del Morte family did not appreciate attracting such attention this close to the family village. Nonna's wrath was not something even Sophia wanted to face. The little town of Siena was pretty, with its caramel-coloured buildings and elegant Torre del Mangia, towering above the Piazza del Campo. But it was not her final destination. This was merely a waypoint before reaching Monte Rigoni, because this was as close as conventional transportation could get her. Her nonna and relatives would not allow anything as dangerous as an airship to get close to their mountain village. This insistence was well known amongst the local provinces, so much in fact that local government agreed to designate the aerospace above Monte Ragoni a no-fly zone. In light of this, Sophia now faced a day of horseback riding, cross-country, to reach Monte Ragoni. Nothing like an hour testing her thighs endurance to get into the Christmas spirit. Picking up her small valise, she strode towards the exit leading to the main street. The pending holiday with her family turning over and over in her head, she kept her hat tilted at a ridiculous angle, so it obscured most of her face, but the concealed oculars in the rim allowed her to have proper peripheral vision of the street. It would be most humiliating to be caught unawares so close to her birthplace. To the citizens of Siena, she was only a woman in a stylish green dress. Much as it was in the travel centre, there was a throng of people outside, the majority returning locals like herself meandered and milled about. This made her way to the local stables practically undetectable, where another crowd had gathered. More waiting. Lovely. So she stood in the chill with the rest of the rabble, waiting for her turn to find a suitable horse for the final leg for her journey. Sophia! A voice behind her called. 
She spun on her heel, her hand already pulling free her muffed pistol, but the grip on its handle immediately slackened. Mio Dio, she swore inwardly. Why me? Hortensia. Sophia had been delayed so late in leaving London that she would be arriving with Hortensia. The black sheep of the family trotted towards her with a smile so merry and bright it turned the heads of the men around her. Hortensia had the same dark beauty all the women of the Del Morte family claimed as their own, even though she did not claim that surname. Unlike the rest of Sophia's family, her cousin Hortensia was not an assassin, a spy, or even a bounty hunter. With the name of their village as her surname, she had undertaken the honourable profession of surgeon in Vienna. Thankfully, Sophia only had to see her once a year and could easily avoid her company at this test of metal, commonly known as Christmas. However, it appeared this year would not be as Sophia preferred her reunion. Sophia! Hortensia trumpeted, sending unsuspecting travellers to the ground as she parted the crowd through brute force to wrap her arms around Sophia. Hortensia smelt of bleach and roses. Her cousin had obviously tried to cover up the odour of her profession in completely the wrong way. Hortensia? Sophia muttered, remaining stock still even as her enthusiastic cousin rocked her back and forth. What the... She was family, flesh and blood. Family made Nonna happy. Delightful surprise. I did not expect to see you here at the travel centre. When Hortensia let her go, Sophia smiled at her as best she could. You look lovely as always. I wish I knew your secret. I keep my distance from formaldehyde. The laugh, beginning as a cackle, turning into a seal's bark and ending with a single snort, cut through the din of the crowd, silencing them for a long, terrifying moment. Oh, cousin, I always did find you the wittiest of our clan. It will be so nice to have company on the ride. Sophia might be used to lying on a daily basis for her work, but somehow lying to family, even the rather awkward Hortensia, did not come so easily. It was a mystery to her why it was so difficult, but there it was. Hortensia nodded, though her eyes didn't meet Sophia's. That was another mystery. Why her cousin kept punishing herself by coming back to the village every year? The men folk of the Del Morte clan could pursue what profession struck their interests, as long as it wasn't the family business. The Del Morte women, however, were expected to follow in their ancestors' footsteps. Hortensia should have done the decent thing if she wasn't going to do that and quietly slip away, disappear from sight. Yet here she was, once again. We should rent a carriage instead of horses. Less dust, fewer flies to be concerned with, yes? Delightful, Sophia replied, adjusting her hat. I suppose we must be the very last to reach the village. Oh, yes, Hortensia said with a slight shrug. Everyone else probably arrived on the 8th for L'Immaculato Consendo, but some of us have jobs, she cleared her throat as she straightened her spectacles. <clears throat> Proper jobs. Sophia's eyes narrowed. Really? This discussion? They weren't even at the table yet. Yes, well, those of us upholding the legacy experience complications from time to time, Sophia stated. I was not able to get away. Her cousin glanced at her, sniffing slightly as she took a step before Sophia. At least Hortensia had the good sense not to blurt out anything in front of the rest of those waiting. The time for open discussion was not here. 
Just then, the stable master came out of his office and scanned the line of people until his eyes fell on the Del Morte women. Taking a deep breath that seemed to shake his large frame, he motioned them over away from the line of those waiting. Ladies, I was expecting your arrival. How can I be of assistance? A carriage, Hortensia said, her face seeming to channel the intensity Del Morte women should show in the field. The potential she occasionally displayed was, in a way, heartbreaking. A carriage? He asked, quickly scanning his clipboard. His skin blanched a bit as he admitted, Well, <laughs> there is a couple from Colleone, but I have two horses left. I suppose they can enjoy a spot of nature before reaching the destination, he said, his smile somewhat nervous. Simply meet me around back, and I'll have you on the road in a moment's time. He then gave a meek shrug and added, uh, Remember me to your nonna. Huh? Sophia narrowed her eyes and glared at him in an appropriate manner, but Hortensia ruined the effect by paying the man. I thank you, sir. We certainly will. It was twenty miles to Montoragoni, and usually Sophia would have borne the discomfort of horseback travel in silence. In the comfort of this luxurious carriage, her cousin would have none of that. Whatever skills she had as a surgeon, Hortensia lacked the ability to read people. For the entirety of the journey, Hortensia talked and talked and talked. There was mention of lives she had saved, brave soldiers, heroic aeronauts, people facing potential death sentences on account of another physician's diagnosis, Vienna's miracle worker, as Hortensia told her tales. It seemed for every life Sophia had snuffed elegantly and efficiently out, for a hefty price, Hortensia saved five, all in the name of some silly oath she took at medical school. What cheek. Sophia gathered her strength under her cousin's endless torrent of stories. Hortensia chatted on about her life in Vienna, the way the men treated or ignored her, and why this chance to come home was a breath of fresh air. Sophia remained patient, nodding or shaking her head from time to time, but having no reply apart from that. Her usual methods on silencing anyone prattling as incessantly as Hortensia would have been deadly. But as the doctor was family, she needed to remain patient. If she'd been able to survive three hours of the Count of Tyrol dribbling on about his damn sheep, she would be able to survive her own cousin. Nonna always reminded her that family was the most important thing in the world. If she arrived without her cousin, regardless of her pariah status, there would be questions. Many questions. Still, it was fun to imagine inflicting her more lethal skills on Hortensia. Sophia sighed and focused her gaze on the approaching hilltop. The towers and walls of Monteregoni seemed like a mirage to her. It had been over a year, last Christmas, since she'd seen it. However, darkness had settled early and there was no gas lights to see by. Only the moon, full and kindly, showed them the way to Monteregoni. That was when Sophia checked her timepiece. Oh, I suppose we are missing mass, she sighed. Oh, I asked the driver not to rush the journey, Hortensia tittered. A smoother ride and more time for us to get caught up. Sophia glared at her cousin, bribing a coachman to drive slower. As they reached the road up towards the village, there were some lights flickering in the darkness. Then, despite Hortensia still nattering on, Sophia felt her heart lighten as their coach began the winding path towards the Romera gate. Not even Hortensia could keep the assassin from reveling in nostalgia as they rattled up the street between the small buildings. 
Suddenly she was eight all over again, riding the horse she'd stolen from her aunt and only reluctantly coming home with nightfall. Up ahead, though, she could see candles light in the Piazza de Roma. The tables were already set out in a circle, enough for the whole Del Morte clan waiting for their arrival. Sophia's heart sank. Cavallo, she spat as she exited the carriage. Oh, dear, Hortensia sighed. Perhaps we were late for Mass, but at least we have our choice of seating. The church of Santa Maria a Santa had to be packed full of the whole family, and one of them would have been counting who wasn't there. Sophia spun on her cousin. We would have made it if it wasn't for your... But her voice petered out when she saw her cousin's downcast face. I just... Hortensia began, then shook her head. I was being selfish. Selfish? Whatever did her babbling cousin mean by that? It doesn't matter, Hortensia. We can take the time to tidy ourselves up and see what is cooking. After collecting their luggage and paying the coachman, the two went to Nonna's house. It smelt as heavenly as ever. Garlic, tomatoes and baking. Everything was warm and inviting, ready to be served. Hortensia and Sophia found space in one of the upstairs rooms and set about making themselves respectable. Washing the dust of the road off her face, Sophia glanced across at her cousin. Father Notti can hear our confessions the day after Christmas. Mine may be an all-day affair. She looked Hortensia over. Yours at least won't take long. Something about being home in Monteragoni lightened her mood, to the point where even Hortensia was no longer an irritation. Her doctor cousin made a face, but the tension quickly dissipated on hearing a church bell ringing. Running downstairs, Sophia couldn't quite decide if her heart was pounding from fear or delight. Probably both, considering it was her family. There they were, streaming out of the church, the women and the men talking and laughing. The Del Morte family, a proud legacy and generations of problem solvers, provided the price was adequate. Sophia and Hortensia stood before Nonna's house, politely waiting for them to approach. The men began to take their places at the table, while the women made their way to Nonna's house and the cooking. Her grandmother looked just as she always had, breathtakingly beautiful. In her youth, Francesca del Morte had been fated all across Italy and had marriage proposals by the hundreds. In the end, she had married a simple farmer from Monteragoni and brought all her sisters to marry his brothers. They had, in a systematic and strategic manner, taken over the village, turning the unassuming little corner of Tuscany into what would become a base of operations. The Del Morte sisters and their female offspring explored their taste for blood and adventure, a pursuit that had continued for generations. It was only at Christmas that they conformed to any kind of standards the rest of the world imposed. There she is! Nonna exclaimed, immediately followed by a soft chorus of voices behind her. Sophia, so good to see you! Nonna's eyes welled with tears as she hugged her tight. Sophia hated the emotion this woman engendered, but this was her mentor, her center, her spirit. Nonna smelled of baked bread and lavender, which instantly made Sophia feel like she was that young girl again. A hint of the intensity that Nonna passed onto her surfaced when the woman looked at Sophia's cousin. Hortensia, she stated flatly, late as usual. Nonna stared at them with her deep brown eyes and shook her finger at them both. Missing mass, I should be angry with you, but... Nonna looked at both women and the tears returned. The point is you are here. That is what matters. She glanced over her shoulder. Julia and Chiara won't be coming home for Christmas any longer. It did happen. But two in one year was unusual. 
Sophia crossed herself and glanced at Hortensia, who was doing the same. At least she wasn't turning her back on paying respects to those that did uphold the family legacy. But we must celebrate. This is the Lord's Day and a celebration of life, love and family, yes? Yes, it was a time of celebration. Mourning would have its moment. The women found themselves swept into the midst of the other Del Mortes and away into the kitchen. Perhaps her targets would have been surprised, but Sophia loved to cook, at least in her nonna's kitchen. Sophia's skill with a blade remained unparalleled, even within her own family. So when handed the bundle of basil and sage, Sophia had the fragrant herbs chopped in a moment, much to the applause and approval of her sisters, cousins and nieces. She toured around the kitchen, catching kisses from cousins and aunts, tasting from bubbling pots. Christmas Eve promised a dinner based around fish, but the lack of poultry or red meat did not mean a lack of flavour. Sophia took a platter growing with canapes on one shoulder, while Hortensia bore one full with olives, artichokes and anchovies. Behind them trailed the rest of the womanfolk bearing the rest of the feast. Sophia settled in a chair at the end of a table with Hortensia at one side, her younger cousin Rosa on the other. Children ran backwards and forwards delivering wine and water and Sophia ran her eye over them. The next generation looked lively and she was sure Nonna had already taught them much. Her eyes then turned to the table itself, noting the cutlery, sharp enough to cut through the tender fish. When she picked up her knife, Sophia could feel ball bearings in the handle. Her eyes glanced to Hortensia's. Chances were that her hilt there was stone or some heavy liquid inside its handle. Something different to throw the potential weapon's balance. The fork could easily pierce pasta and softer meat. Human flesh? Only with great force. Nonna did not live this long by chance, and family meant everything to her. She took the same precautions with them as she did with meeting contacts. Once the first course had concluded, Sophia began examining the men at the table. Her cousins and aunts sometimes came home pregnant, as it was with Gina and Apollonia, or sometimes took husbands from the surrounding villages. They were the type of men who realised their good fortune at marrying a Del Morte woman, or if they did not, they often ended up under the good earth instead of working it. Her gaze stopped on Rose's apparent escort for the evening. She clutched the hand of this man, whispering into his ear, which evoked a warm, delightful smile to his face. Sophia raised her glass and sipped delicately at the wine within it, all the while watching the man. He was handsome, and knew how to set off his carriage with a fine-tailored suit and carefully coiffed hairstyle. A profitable businessman, or perhaps... Minor nobility? Rosa preferred that sort of standing in her gentlemen, be they escorts or targets. Something about the cut of his suit, though, bothered her. Where is your man, Sophia? Nonna suddenly blurted out across the table. The conversation stilled on the query, all eyes on her. Well, Sophia began, cursing herself silently. She should have prepared for this. I have been rather busy of late. In the corner of her eye, she could see Ravina share a long glance with Evie. Evie gave a wry grin and shook her head slowly. So I am particular in choosing a mate, Sophia spat inwardly. At least I didn't open my legs for a husband after my first kill, please. Nonna's no weapons at the dinner table policy always made sense to her at this time of year. Well, that was your choice, Nonna said. Was she shaking her head as well? You are going to be 25 before you realize it. I would hate to see you an old maid. Sophia returned to her fish, taking a sip of wine to conceal her face. She hated disappointing Nonna. 
I've been seeing a delightful gentleman in Vienna, Nonna, Hortensia announced suddenly. That's nice, Nonna replied, the civility in her voice rather chilly. Is he a physician as well? Hortensia's sister, Monica, asked. Oh, no, Hortensia said, waving her hand absently. That would be a bit much. <laughs> Two doctors in a courtship. <laughs> it would be one disagreeing opinion after another after another. What does he do then? Evie asked. He's a policeman, a special investigator. Over the clatter of flatware came curses and condemnation from the Del Morte clan, all of which came as a shock to Hortensia. Whatever is wrong with courting an officer of the law? Hortensia protested. Law enforcement is a noble profession. You're doing this on purpose, aren't you? Nonna asked dryly. From the story she had told her, Sophia knew Hortensia was brilliant, but the girl was as thick as that clotted cream the British held in such high regard. Really, Hortensia? Monica scoffed, rolling her eyes. You live to be a disgrace to this family, don't you? Sisterly rivalry was to be expected, but even Sophia thought those words highly inappropriate, especially now when they were all gathered here for Nonna. She could see Hortensia's shoulders drop as her fork pushed pieces of fish and pasta back and forth across her plate. Hearing her own voice came as a surprise even to Sophia. I would not cast stones at your sister's house so freely, Monica, Sophia warned. What do you mean by that? Monica returned, taking up the wine matching the colour of her hair. Hortensia is a laughing stock and an embarrassment to the family name. Everyone knows it. Monica, Nonna began. Is Hortensia a free spirit within our family? Yes. Does that make her an embarrassment? No. Sophia waited for Monica to roll her eyes again, a mannerism of hers that had always worked under Sophia's skin, and drink deep of her wine before adding, Now the Hamburg sanction, that would be an embarrassment to the family name. Monica forced her mouthful of wine down quickly, nearly choking on it in order to fire back at Sophia's claim. Her wine glass clattered by her plate. I had taken full account of the target's grounds and knew the routine. Monica? Nonna repeated. And how could I have foreseen such terrible weather? Monica continued, her eyes darting across her plate in silverware. Admirable, Sophia thought quickly, but dismissed the passing thought. Monica's ability with a knife? Huh, the tart could barely hit the broadside of a villa with her rifle. Throwing a knife, that would merely accomplish disarming herself. That storm should have blown over by the time I was ready to make the hit, she insisted. That sounds like you didn't take everything into consideration, Sophia said, drawing strength from seeing Hortensia's face brighten. Perhaps a bit more effort on your part was too much to ask. I would have only needed one bullet, one angle, one shot. Monica insisted. The timing was not right. Or perhaps a bit more effort was too much to expect. Sophia bit back. Enough! Nonna snapped, her voice sharp as a whip's crack. Even the children at the adjoining table went silent. With the attention at the head of the table, Nonna glanced at each Del Morte present. Her face was still and fixed. No sense of outrage or anger, just intense focus, and that terrified Sophia. We all make our choices in life, and we should be grateful. Julia and Chiara are no longer able to make choices of any kind. And she paused to make the sign of the cross, prompting others at her table to do so. And you sit here and question, openly or in secret, Hortensia's lot in life? You should count your blessings. After a long moment of somber silence, Nonna returned to her meal. The Del Morte children followed suit. 
The dinner eventually worked through the tension, though this meant that Hortensia remained quiet, seemingly lost in her own thoughts. Sophia avoided Evie and Ravina's eyes, lest they both know she'd caught their silent judgement following Nonna's questioning, and kept Monica in her peripheral. Yes, she was family, and her family was proud. Sophia had given her cousin's pride a severe bruise. With the arrival of dessert, Sophia felt a slight pang of sadness. Even with recurring lulls in conversation, many of these stumbling, awkward interruptions settled with a glare from Nonna. She didn't want the meal to end. As she leaned back in her chair and let chatter gossip and the warmth of good food and good wine wash over her, she considered for a moment just staying in the village, spending a few months tending to the vineyard while honing her skills. Then she recalled the conditions of a sabbatical in Monteragoni. Injury or pregnancy? Those were the rules. Bambinos. Then work in the kitchen next to Nonna and live out life. Or rest and heal after a sanction goes wrong. Like Hamburg. That would mean something went wrong and disappointing Nonna was not to her liking. Sophia? Her grandmother was standing by her chair, not smiling, so it was time. The menfolk were still at the table, so professional talk among the women would not happen just yet, but Nonna always took her working relatives aside to find out a little more. Linking arms with Nonna, Sophia followed her back into the kitchen. Sophia sat while her grandmother began to slice the panettone. How are things with you, Yusilano? Sophia shrugged, picking at the remains of the ziti on the table. Well enough, Nonna. Her grandmother's hand slapped out faster than Sophia had guessed it could. Age, she believed, was only making the matriarch faster. You are getting a name for yourself, perhaps more successful than your mother was. She reached over and gently pinched Sophia's face. But you must be careful. She overreached herself, and I don't want that to happen to you. A chill ran through Sophia, and for a moment she couldn't find the words. I won't, Nonna, I promise. My current mark is a delightful change of pace from upending a government or eliminating another's competitor. The assignment is, um, how the English say, a cakewalk. Her grandmother's face twisted. She disliked the English and foreign languages equally. I don't believe in such things, Yusinano. My target, Sophia said, quickly popping a crumb of the cake into her mouth, is an archivist. You want to kill an archivist? Nona snorted. What? Does he have in his possession the slippers of St. Peter or the ring finger of St. Augustine? No, but the client wants him. Alive for a change. The books is his name. Well, Wellington Thornhill Books. I am to romance him, so do him, and then deliver him. I made contact with him just last week. A man is like a kitten. Hardly much of a problem. Do not underestimate anyone, Nona replied with a wag of her finger. Remember, when kittens are riled, they go on the attack. Her eyes narrowed. Is this a House of Usher contract? Yes. Saying that word filled Sophia with pride. Usher was the best-paying employee for an assassin to have. Nonna sighed, leaning back against her kitchen bench. In this flickering gaslight, she looked older somehow and very tired. Tell me they paid up front. Sophia's smile faded. So I thought, Nonna shook her head ruefully, quite the reputation they have, but reputation is like legends, exaggerated. Our family has dealt with the house before, and they are Terrible at paying their bills in a prompt manner. Do not trust them, Sophia. Make sure it is you using them and not the other way around. I will make sure, Nona, that I remain in control, be it the House of Usher or some other client. Good. 
Then she held out her arms and her granddaughter went to her. They hugged for a moment, Sophia inhaling the smell and love of her nonna. I will not live forever, and I must know who will assume my title of nonna is worthy of carrying it. Sophia went to protest, but Nonna waved her off. I want you to be ready. More ready than Monica was for the Hamburg sanction, she muttered, shaking her head in disgust. Sophia gave out a trickle of laughter as Nonna motioned to the dessert. Now let's get the panettone out, her grandmother said. Once the men folk have eaten, we can send them off to tend to the children, and we can talk business as a family. They returned to the Piazza de Roma and together passed around slices of cake. The wine and Nonna's words practically naming her as successor to the matriarchy of Del Morte had cleared from her head. As she took her seat back down between Rosa and Hortensia, her eyes returned to the man seated on the far side of Rosa. Sophia's mind moved back in the direction of her profession. Rosa, Sophia began, devouring a small bite of the sweet cake. Where did you find this striking gentleman on your arm? Madrid, Rosa said, casting a glance to her bow. It was fate, to be sure. Fate. Sophia did not believe in fate. Rosa did. Sophia blamed that ridiculous tripe Jane Austen sold as literature. James Mantle, he said, and Sophia felt her breath catch in his throat. The man had quite a voice, rich baritone with a delightful silky overtone to it. I'm an investment broker. My office is in Manchester, but my work takes me everywhere. London, Paris, Toronto, New York. Really? Sophia asked. She glanced at his hands. Yes, he was certainly not a farmer or working-class man, but the pale band across one finger did catch her eye. Not that he would have been the first married man that Rosa enjoyed favours from. You investigate investments? He nodded, raising his glass to her. I make certain that investments go in projected directions. And what were you doing in Madrid? Sophia asked. Exactly what I said. Checking on investments. Fascinating, Sophia said with a curt nod. My last assignment before my current one was in Madrid. Was it now? Sophia? She heard Nonna call out from the head of the table. Not now, Nonna. Yes, it was a delightful, simple assignment. Mind if I ask where you are now? Mantle asked. You earlier mentioned London, a rather dirty city, if you do not mind me saying. Well, London may not be the cleanest jewel in the crown of the empire, he said with a shrug, but it is still the centrepiece and remains the driving force of the world, I dare say. Sophia would have desired talk return to family disappointments and awkward tensions as opposed to this new topic of politics. Had Mandel's boast been sincere, it felt forced, if not rehearsed. Would you dare? Sophia asked. I would, mademoiselle. He quit. A strange silence had now fallen over the table, but he remained blissfully unaware as he continued. Then again, where you are in London is probably not the prettiest part of the city. And what part is that? The industrial section. I'm guessing Industry Row, along the Thames, or somewhere in the East End. Since you mentioned how dirty things were, yes. Sophia nodded. Indeed. She took a sip of wine, then held a finger up as if she suddenly recalled. Industry Row is, however, a fascinating corner of London. Mantle sniffed. I wouldn't know. Oh, I think you do, she returned, seeing as the House of Usher has an enemy somewhere in Industry Row. Rosa furrowed her brow. The House of Usher, whatever are you? 
James here knows all about the House of Usher, Sophia stated. Seeing as he just called me Mademoiselle, a greeting only my Usher context uses a feeble attempt to insult me and keep my attention. Why would such a cultured man dare to use French at an Italian table? She motioned a mantle's finger with its pale band across it. And without your ring to announce the house's presence. Is this true? Rosa snapped, her eyes boring into his. He raised his hands, inclining his head slightly. <laughs> Ladies, I believe the tensions at the table and wine may be contributing to a bit of the suspicion at the table, hmm? This is the house of Del Morte, Nonna stated proudly. Suspicion is part of what keeps us alive. Trust is not some trinket we drop into a Christmas stocking, but it is a treasure earned. Her steely gaze switched to Rosa. Did any of those silly books teach you that? Nonna, Rosa protested. Sense and sensibility is a treasure. Sophia watched Mantle as he rose from his chair. He froze in his ascent as all the women sat up much straighter, while the menfolk all nervously looked to one another. Well now! Giuseppe... Apollonia's husband blurted out, causing Mantle to flinch. Shall we check on the children, eh? Mantle remained at the table, the rest of the menfolk all clearing out as he reached his full height. My dear Rosa, Mantle said, smiling warmly as he slid away from his spot. You did warn me that my brashness may get the better of me with your family. He switched his gaze to Sophia and nodded. My apologies for the coincidental slight. May I refill your glass? Sophia nodded, so he was preparing his final play. How predictable. Well, perhaps this was slightly more interesting than listening to Monica explain Hamburg. Please, senor. His feet barely made a sound as he made for the table where the bottles of Chianti sat. But he never reached the bottles as he turned on his heel and grabbed Hortensia, holding her fast against his body by her throat while from underneath his jacket sleeve, a large knife now rested against the girl's throat. From a glance, it looked far sharper than Nonna's cutlery. Much like the sound of reindeer hooves across a rooftop, guns appeared from the shadows, the Dalmorte clan taking aim on a man using the black sheep as a shield between himself and their bullets. Let's not do anything we shall regret, yes? Mantle said, pressing the blade deeper into Hortensia's creamy white skin. The action earned a hiss and a whimper from the family surgeon. Yes, Rosa, I am sorry, but our meeting had been arranged. Rosa, absent of a gun as she was still seated before her dessert, whimpered, You mean it wasn't fate? Afraid not, he sighed. It was research into our investment. The house wanted to be sure they hired the right individual for this particular job. We cannot afford any cock-ups with Mr. Books, so I was sent to do a bit of background work on Miss Sophia de Morte here. Sophia splayed her fingers around the handle of her Bovidi Olivetti revolver. It had been quite difficult to conceal, but considering the present standoff worthwhile. And your assessment? The children, Mantle began. Why not the wife and children? You had been told to eliminate the competition. I had been instructed to eliminate the competitor, and I did so, she stated. If the wife had picked up the business, that is not my problem. She may lead her husband's investments to ruin, or they may flourish under her care, but it was not within my scope. Ah, so familia. An all-important work ethic for you, Miss Delmorte? Mantle asked. Not completely, came a hard voice from the end of the table. When was I not clear as crystal? No weapons at the dinner table. Sorry, Sorry Nonna. Nonna, the women all replied in unison. 
Now, ladies, Mantle began, pulling Hortensia closer to him. Knowing what I know about how much you all value family, even the rejects like this one here, I don't think you will risk a shot lest I cut her throat. So we will simply back away together. And once I find a suitable place for you all to collect darling Hortensia. But his words were suddenly exchanged for a howl, as Hortensia's arm whipped back and then struck his thigh. Hard. The unexpected shock to the man's body caused him to drop the knife in his grasp. But he did not let go of the surgeon until she twisted her arm once, twice, and then yanked up, tearing the inside leg of his fine Savile Row trousers. While still nighttime, Sophia could make out what was in Hortensia's grasp. It was one of Nonna's innocuous forks. Doctor! Hortensia screamed into James Mantle's stunned face. Doctor! Hortensia! Monteragoni, if you please! I did not graduate top of my class to be reduced to titles such as Black Sheep and Darling, so show respect as I have earned it. Mantle attempted to press against the wounds in between his cries of agony, but his fingers soon disappeared under liquid blankets of his own blood. I have just severed your femoral artery, Latin, arteria formalis, which, if you had even the slightest notion of human anatomy, is a large artery in the thigh serving as a main arterial supply to the lower limbs. You can try and stop the bleeding, but it will do you no good. It's hard to say how long you have, seeing as your heart rate is elevated. He collapsed before her, his moans growing weaker and weaker. The myriad of pistols all lowered as Hortensia picked up the fine knife Mantle had threatened her with and waved it at him as if it was a scolding finger of Nonna's. And you were intending to cut my throat, but how, I ask, across my neck? No, the common carteroid artery, which from your vantage point you would have wanted to sever, the left one, located here. The knife sheathed itself into the man's neck, and after a moment of twitching, Mantle went still. The awkward silence so familiar around the Del Morto table had returned once more, even as the blood-stained, dishevelled countenance of Hortensia returned to her seat. Instead of collapsing into her chair, she took up her wine glass and polished it off. A deep breath later, and the doctor said, there was no mercy for those who refused to indulge in basic research. That bastardo was ruining Christmas. Caspita, Nonna exclaimed. Magnifico! The collected women erupted into cheers, their sudden celebrations calling out the menfolk and children, who paused on seeing Mantle, but then joined in the elations at the sight of Hortensia and the retelling of how Hortensia had finally lived up to her potential. Sophia clapped her cousin on the back. How did you manage to break the skin with one of Nonna's forks? Her cousin blinked and wiped the blood away from her eyes. In my profession, particularly with autopsies, you build a strength when pulling apart rib cages, even when working with medical technology. I have quite the upper body strength. That you do, Sophia chortled. So does this mean you will finally take up the family calling? During the celebration, which now included music coming from the menfolk and dancing of various couples, a bottle of wine had materialised in front of Hortensia. She refilled her glass, staring deep into the blood-red libation. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Sophia, Hortensia hissed, her look angry at first, then softening to sorrow. Why do you think I entered the medical profession? You were always my favourite cousin, the one I looked up to, the one I never wanted to disappoint. She took a deep drink of wine and said finally, I could never be as good as you. How could Sophia have missed that? 
the insistence of her company, all the stories. Hortensia simply wanted her to be proud of her cousin in the medical field. I am proud of you, but I know you could be more, and I can help you. With your knowledge of medicine, your skill, your reputation, you could be better than me. How? A wicked smile crossed Sophia's face. Consider how much closer a doctor of high renown can get to a mark. Before she could answer, Nonna grabbed Hortensia in a fierce hug. Oh, my girl! Finally we see the Del Monte spirit in you! Her eyes shot across to Sophia. Don't you agree, Mia Sophia? Has our Hortensia finally embraced her heritage? Sophia leaned back in her chair, raised her glass of Chianti to Hortensia and smiled. Yes, Nonna. I would say it is truly a Christmas miracle for the ages. Theme music composed and performed by Alex White. Find out more at thegearheart.com. For more from the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, visit ministryofpeculiaroccurrences.com to order Dawn's Early Light, now available everywhere in your favorite bookstores and online in print and digital formats. This podcast is protected by the Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 3.0 license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Tales from the Archives. And Imagine That Studios, Ace Books production. I'm T. Morris. And I'm Philippa Ballantyne. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening.